Do you like films? No. <laughs> Not anymore. Okay. We had another another breaking point for you. I don't know, man. It was I don't I think it maybe I was just in the wrong frame of mind. Because I, I watched this over the course of like two days mm. and I was in the wrong state of mind every time I watched it. All right. Well Brian doesn't like films. This has been criteria. Criterion <laughs> thank you very much. We finally answered the question. Uh, I mean it wasn't like it wasn't soul crushing and destroying or anything. I think I just was I feel like I was just like super tired every time I watched it and didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to deal with it. It was more what it was. Well, welcome to another episode of Criterion. It's I am Criterion, not Joey. I'm Criterion, not Brian. And this week we have watched Eight and a Half by Federico Fellini, Fellini. written by Fellini. Federico Fellini, Fellini at all, because there was a ton of other writers. <laughs> I did not list them. Oh, were there? Yeah. That makes a lot more sense now for the movie. No, 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 no. I feel like it. No, no, no. 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 1963, Criterion number 140, IMDb score of 8.1 with 77,920 votes. Rotten Tomato score of 98%, 45 positive, 1 negative. Let's see what Criterion Mbowski has to say. Oh, please. Oh, man, that's the first word on here is really... <clears throat> Marcello Mastralini. Mastro Maestro Mastroianni Marcello Mastroianni plays Guido Anselmi. Oh, fuck me. This is impossible. Anselmi Guido. Mar- Guido. Guido, yes. Marcello Mastroianni plays Guido Anselmi, a director whose project is collapsing around him along with his life. One of the greatest films about film ever made. <laughs> Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half turns one man's artistic crisis into a e- grand epic of the cinema. An early working title for Eight and a Half was The Beautiful Conclusion. And Fellini's masterpiece is exactly that. A shimmering dream, a circus, and a magic act. There is magic in it. That is accurate. I am going to say flat out, this might be my favorite movie we've watched. Yeah. Thus far. And the big thing that had to do with is that it was pretentious as fuck without being annoying about it. I thought. I, like, the very, very beginning, because I had heard you say, like, I started it and I got angry and I turned it off. And then I saw why, because there was a lot of eraser head esque random imagery bullshit at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is gonna be a chore. But I feel like later he made good on not like he had more fun with that shit later. Like yeah. the harem scene later yeah. was a really good, like weird metaphorical whirlwind of stuff. I feel like he used art house avant-garde bullshitty shit and it wasn't as obnoxious as Eraserhead or Sweet Movie or, you know, all these other ones that I would call an art house movie, which this definitely is classified as on, on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never seen any other Fellini movies, but I remember from the very first episode of this, he was one of the directors they called out as like, of course, we're going to have Fellini, so... A million. I, I have no other idea what he's done, and I know that that's probably bad, but I had heard of this, and I had seen this movie on lists, or, you know, like, every time there's a thing that says, the Criterion Collection, you would see, like, this cover would be represented in, like, their their poster collage. So I knew it was a big one, and I knew it was an important one, but I had no fucking idea what it was. I will say that, like... After that initial bit, like, it was more watchable, but it was, there were so many words. They were talking, like, nonstop the entire time. Talking nonstop. I am surprised it is as old as it is. The movie? Yeah, it's from 1963. I thought that they were able to do a lot of really great stuff, and it looked like somebody making a black and white movie does now, in some cases. Like, it felt very modern. It didn't feel like I was watching an old talking picture. 
Yeah. Because it's black and white, dames. Even though they still did the thing where they dub in all the dialogue and shit afterwards. Yeah. Like, shoot it MOS. Go back and add it all in. Yeah. It felt very, like, I saw Doctor Strange Love for the first time, like, I don't know, five years ago. And that, because it was a Blu-ray re-release, like, remaster, felt like a new movie still. Like, both of those things played in the same way to me, where they didn't have a lot of the old movieisms that make it so I can't watch old movies. Yeah. It doesn't, the pacing isn't quite as slow, and, like, they don't have, like, I feel like in a lot of older movies, too, like, it'll just, things will stop, and it'll just be really quiet. But then it's supposed to be an emotional moment, but it's just, like, quiet, and you're like, I don't know. It's, the older movies feel more like plays. This yeah. This would go through sets and had really pretty um, set pieces, locales, and stuff like that, and it didn't feel like it was somebody walking into a set where they just took away the laugh track. It's like, if this could be where they shoot How I Met Your Mother today, because of the way it's framed, it's like a wide angle of this clearly set, um, what's that word where you cut stuff in it? Cross-section of a living room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but The three-quarter room? Yeah. Three-quarters of a room? Where it's laid out in a way no room would be, yeah. with the kitchen side-by-side side with the living room, side-by-side side with a bedroom or whatever. Yeah. But, all right, let's dive in. Um, we begin with this art dream that I'm sure is what you were talking about. I hated it. It was just like, oh god. Well, no, the part that really threw me off was afterwards, or like the first thing they start talking about is how, oh, it's a movie. All the scenes are jumbled and a mess, and things happen here and here. And I was like, oh my god, are they talking about this movie? This movie? <laughs> do they just like break the fourth wall to just literally talk about this movie? They kind of do. And is this what I'm? Is this what I'm looking forward to, or have to look forward to for the rest of the time? And I got upset. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I could, I definitely could see that. Yeah. I understand that because if this is what it was for the rest of the thing, I would have been very upset too. Yeah. But it was just kind of a neat like. Uh, was it Eraserhead? No, no, no. What What movie did we watch that had that really cool dream sequence? Where it was like you would hear stuff through the walls and it started to melt into the person's dream. Was that Rosemary's Baby? Yeah. Okay. That was the one. That was Rosemary where there where she was like feverish or whatever, but she thought it was a dream, like the the monster devil thing. No, like, no, no, not that part. It was where it was like the camera panned up to the wall. Yeah. And we're looking at the wall and she's hearing stuff through the wall and then like the images start to form based on what she thinks she's hearing. But the Im- like the audio of it sounds very like Yeah, I think that was Rosemary's baby. I thought that was really whatever movie that was was a great way of handling a dream sequence. Much like this one, I felt like there was a bunch of you know, it's like you tell someone about a dream, and it's like, oh, it's super obvious you're stressed about blah. Like, yeah. I had a dream. I just kept spitting babies out of my ass. I'm like, okay, you're, well, you're clearly anxious about being a parent or whatever. I felt like the the complexity of the dreams at the beginning of this was just enough so that it's like, okay, I kind of get, I can get it really easily without having to d- deep dive into arty bullshit discussion-y stuff. Yeah. Like, he keeps rising up higher and higher, and like... He's got this traffic jam of all these people in this tunnel, and he's suffocating in a car or whatever. It was like a bunch of really easy easy to digest visual yeah. metaphor, but it wasn't with a Z. Like, it wasn't so obtuse it was obnoxious to me. N- no. No. I, no, it wasn't, I guess. But I it, think you're like, no, it was super obnoxious. It... <laughs> It was still. You were just, you were just worried. Just, you were I more just, worried than anything. Yeah, but, like, I just can't. I mean, that's my problem with these movies in general. It's like, I get what a metaphor is. Stop trying to shove it down my throat. And I felt like it opens up with this, like, here's a goddamn metaphor. We're going to make sure you really know this is going to be something that we're, ne- we're never actually going to say, and you won't really know what's going to go on, but you can get it because it's not that, or it's, it's not that clever. It's but, very obvious. But then he wakes up, and you're like, oh, it was a dream. Like it was, yeah. it wasn't like a a straight up in world metaphor. Right, it yeah. was a dream. It was a dream, which made it a little better. Yeah, which made it like more. I'm like, all right, well, so this is a movie full of dream sequences, which then I guess lends to, especially how it ends and everything else. Just you don't necessarily know. I feel like there's times where you don't know if it is a dream or not. Yes. Did you ever see Schenectady, New York? No. Or Schenectady, whatever you no, actually spent. 
It, this reminds me a lot of that. Whereas that movie, um, it hit the like the the spot that this one does at the end, and then keeps going, and then circles back in on itself in a way that makes it kind of indecipherable in a lot of ways. <coughs> this felt like a more streamlined version of that. Or um, there was one other one I was going to bring up. What the fuck was it? Anyway, movie about a movie. Oh, uh, Hail Caesar, which was not mm-hmm. a good movie, but kind of feels like a very self-referential, self-aware thing. Even the title of the movie, Eight and a Half, was this is his eighth and a half movie or whatever it is. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. What- oh, Jesus Christ. Like, in the movie, it's about like him not being able to make this movie. Yeah, that's why it's a half movie. So is it his ninth movie then? I think it's counted like with some shorts and stuff. I don't know. I was I was reading about it afterwards, but it's a fucking two hour movie. It's not <laughs> no, no, shorts. No. Shorts like he did seven movies, a couple shorts, and then this one. So he says like this is the eighth and a half. Oh, this is the eighth movie and the other ones are the halves. Something like that. I don't know. But <clears throat> it's a reference to the real live director's movie, which is he's kinda like the character in it. Yeah, I got that. So we come out of the dream sequence, and he's getting the treatment, which I feel like is a very like I don't really go into super big detail on what all of this is, but it involves getting holy water, mud baths, and ten minutes in the spring after one week. Yep. So the rest of the movie takes place at this like rehabilitation spa place, um, run by the church. It seems like <laughs> there's just like there's holy water and cardinals and he, he made mention very briefly to being like something about the liver i, I don't th- i think it was just like he's he's working too much and not taking care of himself so he goes to this like spot place to try to recuperate and then it gradually starts to pull all the people involved in the production of this movie he's trying to come up with to this place mm. so he's still at the spa he his mistress shows up his wife shows up his producer or whatever shows up and then people start to set up their production offices at the place where he's trying to like recuperate and get around this weird writer's block. Oh, that is he that has. what was happening? Yes. People just keep showing up. Hey, you can put so-and-so in the I movie. Thought... Hey, no, I got like everybody was there. I didn't realize that like it was, they just were showing up at this place to get him to do like where he was trying to relax. Yeah. Well, it's cause he, it was it was essentially there was a, an expectation for this director to make a new movie. Right. And so the wheels started to churn on making it and it didn't really exist yet, but he couldn't not make it and he couldn't tell them he didn't have an idea. Right. So it's him just sort of giving just enough answers so to keep pe- everybody like doing something without like and without a clear goal right which is why he keeps bringing up it's like yeah there'll be a part for you it'll be like the lead and like he had no idea so he keeps having these dream sequences going back to his youth trying to like pull in real life stuff into this movie and then there's like a giant spaceship (laughs) yeah an 80 million dollar spaceship yeah life so i'm not sure why we do this this whole realistic life-size thing we could have just done it with like a backdrop yeah, they even have like that painting at one point where they like yeah, show yeah. like the thing. Like we're just gonna superimpose this on the thing. I'm like, why the fuck don't you just use that? This would have been just as easy. But you know, we got the real, the real eighty million dollar spaceship, two hundred seventy feet high. Yeah. Um. So there's a really great. He he keeps asking this critic for he he wrote down a thing, and he asked this critic man to like give him notes essentially. And the first round of notes, he's like, this is terrible. This is self-indulgent. This is, there's, he gives him a bunch of problems with it on a, on, on a note card. And there's a great moment where he's reading them. And you can hear the man saying the notes out loud. And then the director just like crumples them up and throws it away. And like the audio cuts off. And then he like stands up and he's like going to walk away. And then he like goes and gets the notes, <laughs> picks it back up and like uncrinkles it and starts reading again. It's like that weird masochistic creative thing where it's 
You don't want to hear it, but then you also but you need can't, to hear you it. Can't not hear it. <laughs> yeah, you have to hear it. Like the whole point of asking people what they think is to hear what they think. But you really, what you want is for someone to say, "I think it's fucking great." Yeah, which I've totally had happen to me before. <laughs> it's just like I need some. You need some sort of vindication before you get going. Like some sort of like no, you're totally right. Like this is exactly what you think it is. But then. You're so caught up in your own version of the story that as soon as someone on the outside isn't in your head and sees it, it just they tear it apart. So then he immediately starts having these like self doubts ab- about this whole project that's already started, even though there's nothing for this project. So he just keeps like not saying anything, yeah, or not not making decisions, not answering questions. Your translation of this movie has been. Much better than my translation that I had in my head. Which was what? I just, I didn't, I told you, I was not in the mood to watch this movie. <laughs> the entire time, I'm sitting here just going, just be done, 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 just be done. I just was not, and just was well, not Brian, in the right space. you know what this is going to do then? It's going to show you that you can't have nice things, and that means we're not going to be able to take a break. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have always shit. No, it wasn't even that, I think it was just. I think the beginning of the movie, I just didn't want to deal with another movie that was just full of these really heady, not heady, but just really uh, heavy metaphor things. I'm like, I just don't, I just don't want this right now. I wanted to just have a movie on where I could just like watch a movie. Well, that's, you know that that's not what this is. I know it's not. You need to, you need to drink more coffee or something. You need uh, to get in the headspace yeah. and know that you're going to have to pull some fucking meaning out of your asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry. This movie... Or we're going solo sweet movie every week and it's all your fault. No. <laughs> so try harder, no. bro. <laughs> uh, at least those ones give me something very clear I can hate. Jerk off to. <laughs> yeah, Furious. and jerk off to while I'm angry. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I did... It, honestly, it was... It was better... Then I, it ended better than it started for me, because I just, like I said, the beginning of it, well, I was just not, I was just not into it. I wrote down early on, I was like eight and a half minutes or eight and a half, the minutes it took to infuriate me, because <laughs> that was right about the time where he goes to the critic and the critic's like, oh, all these notes are like it's just un unwatchable mess, unreadable mess, and like all the scenes don't make sense and all this stuff. And I was like. <laughs> you just, you just, he's just, he's just telling me what I'm gonna see, isn't he? Yeah, I know. Oh just, shit! Please, no, he wasn't. So. He wasn't. Um, so while he's at this resort now, Guido, which I Guido. think Gu- it's Guido. I don't think it is Guido. They say Gu- they literally say Guido in the movie. It's they, Italian. Yeah, they call which him is Guido. close to Spanish, right? Yeah, kind of. I guess because I remember I picked this name as my. They're like, both Latin derivative languages, so yes. In Spanish class, you had to pick a Spanish name. Yeah, and there was a giant list, and I picked this one because I thought it was Guido, yeah. and I thought it was hilarious. And then the lady only said Guido. Yeah, that's Spanish. That's a different language. Yeah, Guido. You pronounce things differently. Things are similar, but they're also different. Guido sounds wrong. They literally called him Guido the entire time, Joey. I don't know what movie... I'm honestly concerned what movie you're Brian, watching now. I don't now. know. You seem like you watched a different movie, now no, that I think about no, it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you watched a different movie. Mm-hmm. You didn't see Sculp. I didn't see Sculp. Sculp. I that was no, everywhere. I have no fucking idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that was all up, all up in the <coughs> subtitles. So Just Guido brings his mistress to this area. Who's kind of obnoxious and weird and has, has hairy armpits. Does she? Yeah. <laughs> Chaw. Chaw. Um, and then they do some weird sexy role play where he's like, no, I want you to have makeup more like a whore. Yeah. And then go in the hallway. And then... <laughs> yeah, I love the eyebrows he draws on her. <laughs> he gives those her angry like, eyebrows. <laughs> those are the eyebrows that, yeah, that's that. it was perfect though because that's literally what a man would draw, would think... Or how a man would draw eyebrows on a girl who has no idea who has used like an eyebrow pencil before. <laughs> like he, he, he ignores like, her eyebrow, yeah, and just and then make, draws the angry really, really bad cartoon eyebrows. I'm on. like, well, she does kind of look more hoary. I guess yeah, he's yeah, doing okay. He's I right, know. I guess. Uh, but um, this is one of his many ladies, and I liked sort of the parallel they start to make with 
He has a wife who does show up eventually, mm-hmm. who kind of knows he has these affairs and sleeps around and stuff, and yeah. is like feels kind of trapped about it. But then they make the parallel with him and his actresses, where it's like he gets them and he uses them, not like meanly, but he like he gets out of them what he needs, whether it's an actress or to like dress like a whore and put on weird eyebrows, and then he kind of discards them off and and gets new versions. And, like, he has to do that for work, and he's st- slowly started to do that in his his life, too, which I thought was kind of an interesting thing. And it's, like, the, the actress who's getting too old to play, like, the young hot lead. It's yeah. the first time the actress has to be a grandma or something. Yeah. Has to be, like, a weird, like, I don't know, second menopause or something. I don't know what, what the equivalent is, but... Uh, I imagine it's just like a weird constant reminder that your career is probably not what it was or yeah, anything. But it's, uh, it's in its twilight. <laughs> it's twilight? Twilight. Uh, there's a, a lobby scene very close. Uh, I had an alt title here because we had another dream vignette. Uh, flashback that has like his mom and his dad. It was very like, yeah. When weirder. he kisses his mom or kisses the person who turns into his mom or something, and then he like l- helps lower his dad into the ground. Yeah, and who looks like he's like climbing down a ladder into the ground, which is kind of funny. But I had a, a l- little Guido Dream Master <laughs> alt title, alt title, alt title, little Guido, little Guido Dream Master, like Little Nemo Dream Master. Little, little Nemo. Do you know Finding Little Nemo? Nemo? Like the the dinosaur thing? No, wait. That's Finding Nemo? No, that's, that's, that's a fish. That's a fish. <laughs> what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Little Nemo Dream Master. I don't know what that it's is. A, it, it's a old... It's those books that they're, they're like three feet tall, and they're from 1902 or yeah. whatever, and then they made like a regular Nintendo game where you're a little kid who goes into the dream world and he has candies and you can feed them to dinosaurs and ride them. Yeah, Little Nemo is the dinosaur thing. It's like a movie around the turn of the century. Like a, it's like a stop motion-y type thing. What are you talking about? Look it up on your phone. Look up Little Nemo. I'll go look up Little Nemo. And it was a, it was a movie. Originally. Little Nemo. Oh, yeah, how about this? <laughs> Adventures in Slumberland. Slumberland, yeah. What am I thinking of? I have no idea. <laughs> You're thinking of Baby the Lost Dinosaur. Or the last dinosaur. Gertie. Oh, I think I'm thinking Gertie the Dinosaur. Maybe? I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry about it. Forget it. This has been <laughs> this has been Brian Doesn't Know Movies. <laughs> Our new um, recurring segment on Criterionauts. There's a... Or a, also called every episode of Criterionauts. There's a great scene um, where everyone kind of starts to show up in the lobby of this hotel and is asking him questions in this real whirlwind type fashion, which really is a great example of what it felt like to me when I've been to sets. Yeah where everybody needs something at any given time and everybody's doing work and looking busy, but it feels like nothing's getting done. I don't, there, there's nothing really comes of this. It's like he's... It's just a lot of talking. A lot of people asking him questions. Everybody needs something from him and he doesn't want to do any of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just like a really good moment, but other than the feeling it gave me, I don't really have anything other than to say to that. It just feel like his his uh pl- this place is starting to gradually feel like a pre-pro meeting which is kind of what the article afterwards was saying how people start coming to him to like try and get these answers and they set up shop and start working on this thing that isn't a thing um then there's this weird like interstitial part where this guy transmits thoughts to a woman yeah <laughs> which a magic did. show a magic show fish nisimasa is that his name? No, that's what he transmitted to the lady, and she wrote on the chalkboard. She wrote "fish nisimasa," oh, right. which I have well, no idea what the translation is. Was. That it? Yep. All right, see ya. <laughs> it was like another guy trying to be in the movie, I guess. So then we have another flashback from Guido's childhood, where there's this weird painting in his room, and he had friends at this like an orphanagey type place. Yeah, the murder castle. The murder castle. Uh, but then we get the Rome call, which was his wife, whose name was Lucia, Luisa, Luisa, Luisa. Um, 
Okay. Oh, do we? Oh, yeah. He was. Oh, that's when he was. So before that, he was talking to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's fine because it doesn't. It didn't matter at all. It's just some really gross, greasy, sweaty guy who was sitting across from him when he was talking to that old lady who wanted to be an actress. Who wanted to be Everybody wanted to be an actress in this. I know, but it was right before the phone call. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. The older they one. They just like cut to like this like greasy guy who's like drinking, and was like, oh, "What's going on?" <laughs> Uh, he invites his wife to this place, even though we know his mistress is there. Yes. Maybe it's going to be... Which I actually, for a moment, was thinking it was just another flashback of him calling his mistress to come. I thought that might actually even no, be No, this, case, this but... movie's going to get sexier. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have, like, one of those things. Yeah, she's going to be like, I'm so, I'm so upset, I'm so upset, but I'm so turned on. <laughs> So she shows up. Uh, Guido, won't, Guido won't tell anyone about the movie. He's got writer's block. There's nothing to tell. Um, then suddenly his mistress gets a really bad fever. Yes. What a I random, there. I, apparently she just gets these fevers. She get them them horror horror fevers. Maybe, but she said like her husband is usually doesn't care. Yeah. I she she very subtly then... mentions she has a husband that she said Guido she had has, a husband beforehand. Guido has a wife. That he, I just thought it was a really interesting way that we start to realize who she is. Because they didn't say like, oh, my mistress. He was just like, oh, it's this woman he's obviously very close to. It's like my husband. And then he, she brings up later like your wife. So you realize, oh, this is totally something on the sly. Um, This is that side poon. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. Um, In depth analysis, yes, uh, of eight and a half by Brian Sidepoon. <laughs> Alt title, Alt title, Sidepoon. Uh, Sidepoon gets you no good. So the director Guido meets with his eminence to make sure he's not being sacrilegious. Yeah, to make sure it's uh, who's also cool at with this the church. I don't know, like to make sure nothing's cool with the church. I think it was just more like to meet this dude at the. The what's it called the the bathhouse wherever they're at the the spa the spa retreat rehab center thing I don't quite understand but then that's where he saw the the older woman in the back and also every time that they are in this place the big white area there's always people just like milling about I didn't quite get what the what, big white area where he meets the cardinal for the first time outside oh, oh, the amphitheater. Oh. It's where they get like the cups, yeah, full of water, but, holy but, water. Yeah, but they go there a couple times. There's always people just kind of like milling about, doing things in the background. That, so it's, you know, it's a spa. Yeah, people just mill hanging around, out, right? Yeah. It, was pretty, it was normal. It was they were supposed. Basically, what I'm getting at is they were supposed to be there, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All He's right. this isn't a place just for him. This is like you would go there to detox yeah. and or whatever mental detox. Um, we have another flashback, which th- these flashbacks aren't really important. It's, it's him remembering stuff from his youth, trying to find things to bring into this idea. Yeah. They become more important towards the end when they do the screening and they're showing the act, the, the, the actual auditions. movie and auditions. You're like, Oh, these were, the movie is literally just his life that he's putting together right now. Yeah. Which was, when he was a kid, he would pay the. They'd pay this lady to like sexy dance for them. Yeah, which was kind of funny. It was all, pretty funny. All she did was like show her sh- shoulders and stuff. And, yeah, and, and do then, a weird dance around the beach. Dance, yeah. What was her name? Shashimi? Shashuma? <laughs> Probably Shashimi. Shashimi. I don't Sha- remember. Shashina? Shasharna? I didn't write it down, but it, it was, was the most innocent of sexy dances. But he still got caught and got punished and had to wear a dunce well, I mean, cap. She was just like a vagrant that they were paying to dance for her. Yeah, but all she did was like she <clears throat> she had like a wide collar on and she just tug it to the sh- the yeah. shoulders a little more and like oh that's some sweet shoulder yeah and then she danced that looked more cartoony than hot oh my god and the kids the way they celebrated was <laughs> they hilarious clapping with their arms and legs and legs the one kid was like slapping his face at one point in time and what? then the first time they show the kids I guess they were trying to get them to show like they were shocked and surprised because they just did a freeze frame of the kids. The first time they cut to them, it was just like a boom, freeze frame. It was not moving at all. And then it cuts <laughs> back, and then it goes back to them again, and then they're they're 
they're dancing and celebrating like you would see background uh, characters in a JRPG dance and celebrate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like people who don't it. people who don't really know what celebrating actually is, <laughs> but they're trying their best to do it. <clears throat> well, I mean, there were little kids about to see some sweet shoulder for the first time. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Um sh- So then he goes then he gets caught by the Jesus cops and <laughs> Has to wear the dunce hat. We need to do a side movie instead. Let's follow the Jesus cops. So the Jesus cops and see where they're going from. It's like vegan police from Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. We have the Jesus cops. From eight and a half. From eight and a half. Yeah. Going around just finding <laughs> naughty children and saying they're committing mortal sins. Making them wear old-fashioned dunce hat. Put them, dunce in front of, put them in front of their... Let their mother judge them with their sad, failed eyes. <clears throat> it's a tough life out there. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> I can't get this thing out of my throat. Guido wants he's to make... just going to retire next week. Guido, <laughs> <laughs> one week away from retirement. Retirement. <laughs> so Guido wants to make this lady, this this dancing vagrant lady, a character in the movie. But he gives it back to that same initial dude, and then he just shits on it again. Yeah, which is an alt title for me. Just shit on it, but. <clears throat> so he still feels like he doesn't really have anything to go off of for this thing. <laughs> Shit on it. The life of a creative. Yeah, that's kind of... You asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> other other title. Yeah. This is should I, not be surprising. I don't know what you expected. A journey. <laughs> <laughs> Colon, or brackets, film. Film. Uh, the Cardinal summons Guido, or Guido. This is a really great scene where... It was like ping-ponging off of people just constantly talking to him. This so, is like the entire movie is ping-ponging off people constantly talking to him. But it was, it was a moment him. where it was like hands-off. It was like a baton where someone comes in and they magically seemed like they they get a person out oh, of the frame. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're following the next person and they like step behind someone. It was like a really amazingly choreographed, like probably two or three minute long sequence of just person after as soon as one person stopped talking another one came up with like another thing yeah it was really fucking cool to the point where i was just like wow that's that's a great scene yeah i remember liking that i remember liking when they were like putting the towels and or giving him his clothes after he got out of the spa yeah yeah this is on his way to go see the cardinal again which who cares about that scene but it was just yeah yeah, that that, that getting there i just thought was a really great like it transferred the appropriate level of anxiety to me. I was just like, I don't, this is, I hate this. I hate this, but like, this is good, but I hate this. Um, then his wife arrives and we learn about the $80 million spaceship officially, <laughs> which, which is, I, the way I do love the way you describe it. Where it's like, well, we're just going to kind of do whatever. And you know, just kind of keep everybody stringing, stringing along, but let's build an $80 million spaceship too. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best part is, is nothing up to that point. Like when they bring up this spaceship, like, wait, what? Like, yeah, it has nothing keep, to do every with. Every so often, spaceship comes up and, like, what the fuck is a spaceship going it, on? What's it just really on? emphasizes how just like Lost scrambling and he has no is, idea. Yeah. He's just trying to do anything to keep it, like, delaying the actual decisions and stuff like that, which I thought this was. This is pretty... like a comedy without being a comedy. Like, it's... this is the premise of a comedy without any jokes in it. There, that took itself seriously. That's kind of funny you bring that up because there was I I read that the director next to like the the light boxes or wherever you would like view footage or yeah. cameras and stuff like that put a little post it type thing piece of cardboard that just said remember this is a comedy which is it's like no nobody did though nobody I think remembered they did. it was, was a comedy I thought that they were actually really funny in like. If you just take a step back from all of it and realize how stupid but real all of this feels, like yeah. like working in that industry somewhat, I've to- I could totally see this being a real thing. Like this next this next hot guy's thing. Well, what is it? Are uh, you got an idea? Because you, you can never say no. Of course, I have an idea. Let's think, okay. Well, I'll get I'll get so and so on it. We'll we'll start making this thing because it's a fucking business and you have to keep doing all this stuff. No, and when never machine, stop. When the machine starts rolling, you can't stop it. Yeah, yeah. So all he's trying to do is just to delay it because he's trying to figure out what the fuck he's supposed to be making. Yeah. Which I could totally see that happening in a real like if they redid this today, like it would the story could still work. Yeah, which is which is awesome. 
1963. Um, but he has this great moment, which is where he kind of sums up exactly what's happening so far as, quote, <clears throat> I, thought I, I thought I had something simple to say, a film that would help us bury all that's dead inside us, but I don't have the courage to bury anything. So he... He started out with this idea of something he wanted to actually get across and realized, like, I, I'm not making that. Yeah. Everyone still thinks I am, but I'm not. Um, his marriage is not going great, turns out. Turns out. Um, Louisa sees the mistress and in- immediately knows, is like, spare me. You don't, I, I don't need to hear you lie. Yeah. Which, that character is always confusing to me, but I, I like Louisa for some reason. Of the wife who knows her husband's cheating, but she's still there. For the, now. Until For now. Until she hears him actually admit something. But she said, spare me. I don't need to hear you lie. So she doesn't even want him to, like, try to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, but then that immediately transitions without you realizing into Louisa going and grabbing the mistress and then bringing her back to, to Guido and dancing. And then entering the the harem dream sequence that's mixed up with like his love interest, his wife, his, his... every woman in the movie at this point in time. Yeah, basically. all the actresses and stuff. He they just like usher him in, and he's like this this uh, polygamist god in this harem full of all these women that are in the movie, and they're all just treating him like he's this amazing like amazing deity person. Um, then one lady, the older actress, no. Don't send me upstairs. <clears throat> and then he goes, a rule is a rule. <laughs> so it's like casting her out because she's too old. You've reached the age limit. Yes, you... Out. You're, you're taking very good care of upstairs. Don't, yeah, don't, don't worry. worry. You're not going to be shit on, but you know, I don't want to see her face anymore. It's gross. <laughs> it really bums me Crow's out. Crow's feet? Ew. She, does, she tries to do like a weird dance thing to like try to stay yeah. and then when it doesn't work she tries to get all the ladies to like revolt against him and they start getting angry and then he just starts he, he turns into indiana jones yeah. and just like <laughs> starts whipping everybody he's got the hat on and everything he whips them back into shape he yeah. just whoosh, whoosh, and it like uh, and it works but it it was just like a really super light but enjoyable metaphor of all controlling all these different ladies it, and and like the blurred line between like his personal relationships and the relationships of these actresses and kind of how he's treating them both the same yeah and all this stuff i just i thought it was really good and the line don't send me upstairs which i thought was really funny all uh, right now now we're at the screen the screen tests well very important very important the screen, screen test. the screen test you were talking about that makes all these flashbacks sort of worth it and you realize that all these actresses are reading for the parts of his life basically. of these people from his, this is your life type of screen tests where all his producer people are just trying to get him to make any sort of decision and yeah. he won't do it just watching to the point where it's like it's a democracy let's just everybody pipe up and say something <laughs> what during it was during the sequence i have no idea what 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 will i saw it was like somebody who like was hung yeah, they just did like that. I think it was somebody. Was that the? It was the critic, wasn't it? I don't. I don't know. I just. Saw I think it, it was because like, he was sitting back behind him, and I think he said something, and then it was more or less a dream. It was like a fantasy uh, in his okay. mind, where he, where it's like the guy gets taken away and like hung because <laughs> of whatever he said. Okay, and I, I saw that, and I'm like, yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. When you're, cause you're sitting there for a screen test and like somebody says something so fucking stupid or something you just don't want to hear and want them to die. <laughs> and that's basically what it was. And they just that's like, funny. Eh. but I think it was the critic. The the guy who has been giving him his notes. Yeah. Every, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that was really funny. Um, so then you see the, the kind of turning point for the relationship with his wife is he, her watching all of these women try and, to be her the character yeah and like the 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 mistress and everything else all the acting or all, all the actresses and it's the the life imitating art imitating life whatever bullshit yeah um, it's breaking the fourth wall then breaking the fourth wall <laughs> watching the fourth wall then breaking the fourth wall again there was a great line from louisa at this point and she says you were right to make me come you were right nice. to make me come you needed an ending which was he finally 
to her, put the nail in the coffin of the relationship. Yeah. And she's like, of course you needed to do this, because now you have something to tell in your stupid fucking movie. Yeah. Which was kind of great. Um, you you listen to the band Cursive? Mm, no. There's a song called Art is Hard. Yeah. That reminded me a lot about this, but it was it's, the whole point of the song is essentially a musician. He's talking about himself in it, who is having failed relationships and just can't get them right, but at least he's still able to write good songs about it. <laughs> like, you try and fail to try again, and... Um, Basically the Taylor Swift mythology of songwriting. Kind of, yeah. Only, you know, like, oh, arty about arty, it. Arty, and actually with, like, some thought behind and, it. And basically, I'm, by arty, I mean doesn't make as much money. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what arty means. Yeah, right. Um, so, Claudia, this other actress, arrives who... Um, who Guido thinks is perfect and goes and shows her a set. Yeah. Um, and she says... Perfect for just a role, right? For, he's perfect for the role. He said, what does... Uh, drags him to the ship. Okay. Uh, she asked him what he expects. Um, it's something about he doesn't love anyone, so how can he have some... It was a really good, like, burn, and I can't remember, but it was essentially her saying, you can't have a character, or you can't write characters. That nobody that nobody loves or nobody liked, right? It was, he was, like, unlikable, wasn't Because it? he likes no one, or loves oh, yeah, no one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Type of thing. Um, spitting hard truths, but then, like, his posse shows back up and drags him kicking and screaming to the ship. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of a yeah, funny... funny. It's like... All right, well, we're going to corner him and drag him to this he thing. He can't escape now. We're going to have a cocktail party, and you're going to be just go there and do this. I worked, it's kind of, this is kind of a funny, and I, I can't say any specifics. I worked with a director one time who felt very much like this, who just wouldn't answer questions and just had people essentially working Yeah, for the sake of uh, hoping that they would come up with the answer themselves. <laughs> and then he could just like... You know, take credit. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of again. This feels very realistic to me. But the posse drags him to the ship, to the this the eighty million dollar ship where there's like camera crews and press and everything, and they're just like wanting him to lock in all these decisions. Um, where uh, he eventually crawls under the table. He's like, I just need some time to think of what I'm going to say. And then pulls out a gun and shoots himself in the face. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking. Was it, though? I think so. I think it was metaphorically speaking. Because the way the movie ends and everything else, it could be him in the afterlife. It could be, because it has all the people in the movie. Yeah. But I made alt title metaphorically speaking, (laughs) which I think is pretty good. Okay. (laughs) You know, but with ellipsis in the front, dot, 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 metaphorically Metaphorically speaking. speaking. Yeah. Because this wasn't metaphors with a Z, as I said. It was. It felt better than that, but you know, like it's still metaphorically. Yeah, because there was at least like a little bit of a story going on. I I could see what you're saying though, because all at this end, they they kind of have this weird parade around, and that's what made me think that that in the clown band, and which was led by him as a boy. Yeah. So maybe you're right. Maybe this was a this is your life ending. Like, I think it was like this is his transition into the whatever the afterlife is for him. Yeah, maybe. Where it's like cuz he reconciles with his wife all of a sudden and then they get hold hands and dance with everybody. <laughs> so he just shot himself in the head yeah, under I, the table at the press conference. Yeah. <laughs> huh. <laughs> I think he might yeah. I think that was the real thing and the the metaphor part was the after that the after <laughs> okay. stuff where it's like because why why is he now filming just like everybody producers and that's everybody true. in the movie they do were walking away it's like the movie's done yeah like we need this whole thing torn down in two days or yeah whatever it is yeah so maybe it wasn't i don't know they i don't know if it's over one way or the other but it i totally buy that it could have been either way you can read it either way yeah and not and i feel like unless you you know have noticed the director and he tells you this and this <laughs> like you can read it either way and be right i feel like yeah 
From, I'm gonna from, I'm gonna change vac- my reading from a vacuum from a vacuum. I'm still leaving the title metaphorically speaking, but I think maybe he did shoot himself. It was just so like downplayed that I was like, ah, that must have been just yeah. Like- but it's also an art film, but so it- downplaying some the main character killing themselves at the end is on point for an art film. But it felt almost like that scene with the the guy getting hung. It was just like such a random like yeah. out of place thing. But it maybe wasn't- it was like career suicide like he's that could be you know what i mean like because he's we've never seen him with a gun he's never well the guy said it's like i put a gun it's like it's in your right pocket the guy said that to him and then he was like oh then he went under the table and then shot himself who said that that one of the dudes one of the people there around him i don't i don't know if he's a magician dude or the critic dude if it was a critic dude it would probably just be a metaphor but if it was the magician dude, it's pr- it could be. I must have been writing it. I missed that line. Yeah. No. Huh. Yeah. They said that uh, he, the guy was like, "It's in your pocket," and the guy like looked down and was like, "Oh, thank you." And then like, that's when he slid down underneath the table and then crawled. Oh. Up. Interesting. Okay. I don't know. Well, I keep wavering. I have no idea. Yeah. I expect it to be career suicide of him just like not answering these questions. I think we are both right, Joey. I think we're both. Did right. we both win? I think we. Both I think won. we both won the I movie. Think we both won movie. Cool. We both won film. <laughs> cool. All right. What are your three reasons? Three uh, reasons why Criterion has added eight and a half to the Criterion collection. They shockingly did not have their own for this. I thought they would. Shockingly, well, that mean I feel like we got lucky. In the, was it the last one or the last two that actually had it? No, it was like one a couple. It a wasn't couple, sweet movie. No, it was a couple <laughs> movies ago that actually had it. Yeah, they had some. So, for my three reasons, number one, <clears throat> clown band finale, because that was... Again, going back to Sweet Movie, I just kept thinking of that dumb, like, post-shit-eating party. Yeah. Maybe all criteria movies have to have clown bands. <laughs> yeah, they do, but it seems, it's one of those things you see, is like, of course there's like a sad clown band in this movie, in this art film. There's That's a line from the Clerks cartoon. A sad clown band? It, no, it's uh, it's a bunch of sad clowns flipping f- pancakes. Yeah, <laughs> that's because it cuts to this black and white yeah. movie. That's but that's like a it's a, an art film cliche is sad clowns <laughs> and they're in a fucking band. <laughs> the, the I don't movie. were there clowns Cl- like actual clowns. I don't Those think there were, were clowns. clowns. They were just people playing instruments. They were dressed as clowns, Joey. I think you're racist. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, I still think you watched a different movie than I watched. <laughs> I'm still not convinced we watched the same eight and a half. Holy shit. Wouldn't that be amazing, though? <laughs> if I described this whole thing and you'd be like, no, I mean, I didn't get that same reading, but yeah, I guess I could be what this is about. And you realized I watched a different thing. It's a different movie. <laughs> Just go, all right. Uh, if that ever happens, I quit. <laughs> we watch it two different movies and talk about it like it's the same one. <laughs> I quit and we're done. We could. There, I. It could have happened. It, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen with these movies. <laughs> All right. Number two. Yeah. Uh, number two, dream sequences? Uh, question was, mark? Yeah, question mark. Okay. Because of the, you couldn't really tell if a lot of times, especially at the end, whether it was a dream or not, it kind of, things started to get muddled. Mm-hmm. And my number three reason was the emotional weight of creative endeavors and it's in black and white. That's a very literal, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't need to read my synopsis. <laughs> uh, number one for me, for being avant-garde without being annoying about it, like I said at the beginning, I felt like I enjoyed more of the, the metaphor bullshit in this mm. than usual. Um, and the har- number two is the harem sequence alone. Yeah, that was I thought it made that very that good. good. Uh, number three... Is that we are both satisfied with our readings of it, but can see the other reading of it? <laughs> I like that quite a bit. That's pretty good. That <laughs> yeah. worked out pretty well. Um, <clears throat> all right. So my synopsis, which I had a very difficult time doing this one. I know. I, I started over three times. Um, so short and sweet this week. Uh, Fellini paints a more realistic than you probably realize picture of the non-stop industrial machinery of movie making. While most aspiring filmmakers tend to focus on their desire to make, quote, art, Eight and a Half is a great reminder that movies are a business to make money and businesses are stupid. You can pour your heart into something 
and it'll fail while Twilight makes billions. Just remember, you do you, because it's all bullshit anyway. Art. Art. <laughs> Period. You know what we didn't do before we sat down? Oh, let's figure out our next movie. Let's figure out our next one. Kyle told me one, and I forget what the fuck it was now. I knew he was going to do this. It was, it was Lucy, Luce Check, or Gloose. I don't remember what the fuck it was. I don't remember. <laughs> First, I would like to give a shout out to James. I'm going to post this uh, on the Criterion Twitter. James sent us a drawing of Criterion Abowski that's fucking fantastic. Um, it's really good. It has a bunch of little thumbnail things for all the the movies we've watched so far, some of which I don't even remember, but there is a severed dick on there, which weirdly could be several. Yeah, that's not <laughs> just one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thanks for that, and we'll post that on the Twitter, maybe on the uh, Criterion page on ExposedMagico.com. Okay, so next up, we're going to get curious. Sex, sexy curious. Get curious with it. No, 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 no. Curious Amarillo. No, 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 no. <laughs> Getting curious. We're going to watch I Am Curious Yellow. Is it I Am Curious colon yellow? Um, It's I Am Curious hyphen yellow, at least on Hulu. Okay. Uh, and then potentially, depending on how that goes, there's a companion movie, I Am Curious Blue. Which you could follow up on. I mean, I enjoy both those colors, so we'll you see. You might not after these movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next is I'm Curious Yellow. Um, again, I enjoyed Eight and a Half, but all it does is prove that we can't have nice things. So I guess from here on out, we are... I mean, it was... it was. I didn't hate it. Like I said, after... Nope, Brian, you ruined it. We're going deep from now on for forever, for every episode. Yeah, you say that, but we're always going to need a palate cleanser. Nope. Not me, man. I'm all one. broken already. <laughs> I'm broken inside and outside. That's your problem. That's you did that. You did this to you, Brian. Follow Criterion Knots on Twitter or write to us, CriterionNots at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. I have been Criterion Not Joey. I've been Criterion Not Brian. Kaylee. Kaylee.